All right, it's Jazz's Backstage Pass. Who's up for some flamenco? of Jazz's Backstage Pass. My guest today is internationally acclaimed 22-time Grammy-winning keyboardist Chick Corea, easily one of the most recognizable artists in modern jazz. We spoke with Chick backstage before his performance at the Concord Jazz Festival in Concord, California, where he and the members of his newly assembled Spanish heart band performed selections from their most recent album, Antidote. We're actually listening to one of the album's tracks right now. It's called Yellow Nimbus Part 2. The album, which was released in July, finds Korea returning to one of his longest-held musical passions, flamenco. It was a genre he began to explore in his early days as a pianist growing up in Boston, and one that he would continue to hone throughout his prolific career as a leader and collaborator alongside other legends such as Miles Davis, Paco de Lucia, and Herbie Hancock. Fans of Korea will instantly recognize some of the material on Antidote. It includes reworkings of classic tunes like Armando's Rumba and Duende from his previous Latin-tinged albums, My Spanish Heart and Touchstone. We talked to Chick about the making of the new album and his long-harbored obsession with Spanish music, and because Chick is such a relentless globetrotter, the day before his Concord said he had just flown in from Europe and a few days later he would be leaving for Japan, we asked him about his favorite international destinations and travel tips. All right, we're going to get into that in a minute. But first, I'd like to thank Kobuzz.com, a streaming service that offers the most comprehensive CD quality hi-fi catalog in the world, as well as the largest selection of streaming music and studio quality high res. You can enjoy unlimited streaming of all your music from just $9.99 per month with no strings attached. Just visit on.kobuzz.com slash jazzes to learn more. All right, let's take it backstage with Chick Corea. Okay, we're going to roll. The new album is Antidote. And um, it's really an exploration of Latin music of all styles. Um, and you have a great quote in the press material for this album. You say, my genetics are Italian, but my heart is Spanish. And I'm curious about where this love for Spanish Latin music started for you and what it was about it. That really a, a long time ago, when I was um, midway through high school, uh, uh, at that point I was just totally into... Miles Davis and Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk and, and Dizzy Gillespie and that was what my dad was interested in. That was what I was listening to and trying to emulate. Uh, and then I got, I got a local gig around town with this uh, Portuguese um, uh, band, a, a guy named Phil Barbosa. He played the trumpet and there was a timbales, conga and a bass. And I knew nothing about, it was like it was like uh, Latin dance music, and I knew nothing about it. I loved it, though. And um, so uh, in preparation for the gig, the conga player, Bill Fitch, um, kind of we became friends, and he, he could play a little piano. And he showed me how to play uh, rhythmic accompaniments. They, we, they call them montunos, mm -hmm. you know, vamps yeah. on the piano. 
He showed me a little bit about that. He played me some records from, uh, I think, Tito Puente and Machito. And as soon as, as soon as I did that first gig and played with that kind of rhythm, uh, it opened, opened me up to a whole other world of communication. Because pr previous to that, the, the jazz music I was studying and trying to, trying to emulate was more or less, um, not introverted, but it was, it was kind of serious, you know, uh, cool. Um, the, the musicians didn't look at one another. It, wasn't, it definitely wasn't for dancing. Whereas this music was for dancing, it was more extroverted. And so that was the start. And, and uh, the, the whole spirit and rhythm of it got me hooked. And from, from then on, uh, I just started gravitating toward uh, Spanish-speaking musicians and uh, uh, Latino culture, Afro-Cuban culture, and that was the start. Awesome, because one of your first gigs was with Mongo Santa Maria, if I'm not mistaken, correct? And then Cab Calloway, too, early on. Cab Calloway wasn't so much Latin, but, right. but, uh, but that was a good gig. I was still in high school when I worked with Cal. That was for a week in Boston. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm wondering, you had, from, from very early on in your professional career, your foot in two worlds, you know, like this Cab Calloway jazz world and also playing with Mongo Santa Maria. Yeah. Do you think that set a course for you of just being comfortable and all different kinds of genres and willing to explore? Well, yeah, I mean, I slowly began to find out that, that, uh, uh, that, that I was uh, interested in a, a lot of different things. And I, I was never really that stuck to what, what, what you call a style or a, or a kind of music. I, I always just got interested in whatever uh, interested me. Like, for instance, uh, classical music came uh, into my life toward the... Well, a little bit after high school, I, I started, uh, I came across Bella Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra, and it totally blew me away. Because before that, I, I my um, piano teacher, when I was really young, gave me, you know, easy pieces of Bach and Mozart and Beethoven. And I liked it, but it, it didn't capture me musically. Whereas the Bartok's music was right in, in what I loved. And so that opened up a whole other uh, area of music for me, which was European classical music, orchestral music, uh, classical piano, and all of that. And um, yeah, I, I just continue to be interested in different things. Awesome. Yeah, we'll wait till she's done uh, filling the ice here before my next question. But going back um, specifically to the new record, um, I want to just isolate one specific strain, which is flamenco. Because, you know, Afro-Cuban, uh, Caribbean, Latin, that's been involved with jazz almost since the beginning. There have been, you know, tremendous Caribbean influences. I feel with flamenco, that jazz-flamenco hybrid really started appearing. You were pretty much a pioneer in this regard. You know, the stuff you were doing with Paco in the, in the 70s. Um, I, you know, I'm curious. There's, there's flamenco influences, obviously, on the new disc. Where are the areas of overlap between jazz and flamenco that you've found? It's hard to speak in genres like that, but, yeah. but uh, um, easier to speak about musicians. Mm. Uh, to, to my, in my limited experience, what, I, what seems to me is when, when Paco de Lucia started to uh, interface with jazz musicians, I guess maybe I was one of the first, and we got together, and I, I just loved his music. And I wanted to learn about it because flamenco, uh, the flamencos 
uh, at that time were more or less they were in a closed group but they they weren't they weren't into like like spreading their right. their whole thing around they 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 were a little bit secretive about uh about what they did so but Paco was a little bit more open and so uh, uh I got invited by Paco to join him on one of his recordings and we started to play with one another and struck up a really really interesting relationship and I found it to be the way for me to find out something more about uh, about this music by being with him and, and playing with his musicians. So I, I put a band together uh, made up of uh, two, three of, of his original founding member musicians, Jorge Pato, the flutist, uh, Carlos Benevent, the bassist, and uh, uh, Ruben Dantas, who was the first guy that brought Cajon into, into flamenco music. Wow. And I put a band together called Touchstone, and, uh, you know, being on the road with these guys, learning to speak a little bit of Spanish and asking them, how do you do that? And why is this? And, you know, and uh, taking some of their melodies and themes. And I basically got a, got a schooling in flamenco from these guys. Excellent. But I think that that was a crossover point to me of, of, to, of putting different uh, strains of rhythm and, you know, uh, ways of different ways of harmony but but ma mainly rhythm right right that lent themselves naturally to jazz and there's a strong improvisation tradition in flamenco as well right but yes, yeah very much so yeah yeah that's very much so it's a it's a different way they approach it but once you once you learn how they view it once you once you see what game they've got going or the rules that that they've laid down, which are a little bit different than, than uh, what I was used to, then you understand, oh, I see they're doing that now. So uh, there's no bar line on that and so forth. There's other things, you know. Like I once asked uh, Paco, I said, Paco, how do you guys, you know, you build up a phrase and then you stop together on a dime. How do you do that? Right. And he, he told me that it, that it, it was a combination of an emotional buildup and and what he didn't tell me that I that I had to ask the guys about after that was there's also musical cues you see like very subtle that you well, would not so subtle <laughs> if you know what they are you right. can recognize them right. you wouldn't uh, an average listener that, that didn't know that tune or that particular cue wouldn't recognize it if he just heard it once. But if you heard the cue several times, you'd see, oh, I see, when, he, when they play that, they're, they're getting around to a stop. Bing, there they go. And everyone stops on a dime. Yeah, yeah. very cool, very cool. Um, the title of the new album, I think, is very telling and very important, Antidote. You know, you call it like an antidote for what are troubling times. You've been in the game for a while. You've seen how music can tackle a lot of, you know, social situations that we've had to deal with over the years have you ever experienced you know politically socially anything like what's going on right now uh, well you know i'm i i i don't totally sidestep but i pretty much ignore the political world i don't think it it gets gets us anywhere uh i see a lot of conflict and a lot of a lot of struggle and different ideas and I'm interested in anyone whether he's a politician or a doctor or a musician or 
Uh, I ally myself with people who are trying to improve the environment or trying to improve conditions or trying to, trying to spread uh, a message of creativity or, or love or joy or anything that's positive is what I ally myself with. And it can come in a lot of different, uh, different forms. So what I've noticed through my life and what keeps me passionate about making music is that not only do I love you know, the act of composing music and putting a band together and just playing the instrument. It's just the physical joy of playing the instruments is just, you know, you know, it's it's the most beautiful thing in the world. But when I see that the effect that that I and my my uh, partners cause on people, it's an uplifting effect. People smile and they're happy and, and it, it, uh, it it uh, it's sort of uh, a lot of them get inspired. They they it, it I think it reminds them of their own uh, innate native ability to 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 create and to communicate and to and to uh, to do something that they love, do something that they truly love. And so I see it as a benefit to to the people we play to, and that encourages me to do it more often and do it better and. And, and encourage other musicians and other artists uh, into it. Like when I when I talk to young students, uh, young musicians, I, I tell them, I say, you know, uh, if you love it, this is a very fulfilling profession to be in because it really helps the environment, it helps people, and you get that extra benefit and joy of uh, uh, that social uh, part of uh, being helpful to uh, others. Yeah, it's healing in a lot of ways, you know, that's the antidote. Very cool, very cool. Brian again with just a few more words on Cobuzz. You might already know that Cobuzz offers the biggest catalog of hi-fi and high-res albums in the world, both for new releases and specialized genres. But for hundreds of thousands of albums, Cobuzz also includes all the information you need to recreate the appeal of a real CD. We're talking the names of musicians, the producers, the lyrics. There's everything you need to know to appreciate your favorite albums. Cobuzz is compatible with all types of audio equipment and also provides advice on your hi-fi equipment purchases. Not only that, but every week, Cobuzz publishes interactive articles that widen your musical knowledge, and you can even download these high-res files to listen to in offline mode, so you can enjoy your music even when you don't have internet access. Subscriptions to Cobuzz start at just $9.99 per month. Again, visit cobuzz.com, that's Q-O-B-U-Z.com to learn more. All right, let's get back to the interview. Where are you off to next? For you're in California well, now. Okay. I, and then I'm going to uh, Japan for right. a quick hit with the uh, uh, with the uh, John John Patucci and Dave Weckland, the electric band right. and the acoustic band. We're doing the Tokyo Jazz Festival and a club in Osaka, and then I've got a month. Uh, a U.S. tour with Brian Blade and Christian McBride in our trilogy trio. Okay, right on, right on. So you're a globe trotter. Trotter. I wanted to ask you some questions, some rapid fire questions related to travel. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Your favorite city for food? Oh, uh, you know, just generally, the the first thing that comes to mind is just general areas are. Anywhere in Italy, 
is is usually not all the time, but is usually a beautiful culinary experience. And I also love love the way the Japanese prepare food. I like I like Japanese food. But uh, you know you can find good chefs and good restaurants uh, in a lot of different places. You, re- you recall a particularly good dish in Italy that you had something that just. Uh, oh, you want you want you want specifics? Okay, let's see. What's the name of that that sauce? Uh, I went to Naples one time about five years ago, and Bernie and I, uh, my audio engineer and friend and recording engineer Bernie, we we hang out and we went for an afternoon. No, it was for dinner, I think, and we went to this outdoor place in Naples, Napoli, and. They presented us with a very simple-looking spaghetti with uh, with a with a tomato or a red sauce, yeah. and it was the most delicious <laughs> thing I ever tasted in my life. So I asked about it, and there was a name to the sauce. It was called scap scap scapaiello, okay. and I had no idea what it means. Uh, and I would ask around other areas of Italy, "Have you heard? Can you make scapaiello?" And they said, "What? Never heard of it." So I found out that yeah, there's it was only a few special. very yeah. local special that uh, was a memorable dish. Very nice. Um, what about your favorite city for architecture? Uh, let's see. Um, you know, all the big cities have some really unusual architecture. Uh, Vienna is a particularly beautiful city for for architecture. Um, and uh, let's see. Well, you know, I love New York, so. Uh, I, I like to tool around around New York, but um, yeah, I mean, Europe in general has uh, Europe in general, especially in in Italy and also in Spain, they keep their old stuff really well. They love their old stuff, and I love the way they keep their old stuff, and that can be very beautiful. These these like really. Like hundred and two hundred and five hundred year old uh, uh, areas of a of a village or a city can be very beautiful. Right, because for us in Florida, old is nineteen seventy. Yeah, you know, right. a bird eyes is uh, old. Yeah, um, is there a particular period of world history that most fascinates you? You're you know you're really into it. You're drawn to it. Um, you know. He- the 60s I grew up in. <laughs> this, the 60s is still a memorable decade for me. I was young and learning and, and, and a new resident of New York City where all of my musical heroes were. So everything about, uh, about that particular history is, is really interesting to me. But you know, one thing I discovered that, that's very simple discovery to make about history is when you, when you when you learn about history, either from a current publication like a newspaper, or, or, or a history book, or a course in history in whatever, you're really getting the viewpoints of one person at a time. The guy who wrote that book yeah. said what he thought happened. And, and it, it kind of like, it, it took my interest in history way down uh, I, uh, because it, it tends to be almost hearsay <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I mean I mean you know that you know the famous um, um, uh, uh, antidote of uh, of four people on a on a 
on a cross section and, a, and there's a car accident yeah. and they're all observing the car accident yeah. and you ask, ask each one to describe what it was and you get four different descriptions. Right, yeah. that's, that's a truth. That is. That's, right. the, the, that's a fact you can check out right. your, yourself. So when it comes to the presentation, I mean, you know, all that we've, all that we grew up, all that I grew up in school reading, reading, reading about people like Napoleon and, and uh, uh, what, what was it, what was his name that discovered America, Col Columbus. You know, then, then you read the real story later on, and you go, "Hey, man, <laughs> what's going on here? Who's getting one side? Who's the source of this information?" So, uh, you know. But just in my own experience, New York City in the 60s. That's the scene. Very cool. Very cool. Um, a non-musical thing you can't travel without. What's the thing? It's got to be in your bag. Uh, oh, um, you know, I'm, re, I'm, I'm reevaluating that uh, <laughs> in, in these last few days because uh, my, my clothing bag got left in Toulouse, oh, and no. they can't find it. Oh, man. <laughs> All of these cool little things that I had, you know, these old clothes, and, and, and so... I really made the decision that next time I go out on the road, I'm going to travel so light. Yeah. I'm going to have like one or two pair of pants, right. two, two or three shirts. I'm going to clean them all the time. And I'm, and I'm going to take stuff that isn't that valuable to me either, especially right. if I travel by plane. So something that I can't uh, do without, I don't know, maybe my headphones. Right. Okay. No, very nice. Uh, are you a plane sleeper? Can you sleep on the plane? Uh, not not a good sleeper on the plane. Uh, not usually unless I'm really wiped out. A lot of time uh, we'll get on a plane and I've I've slept the night before. So uh, it's usually after I arrive wherever we go that I, I'm able to to crash out. I can sleep sometimes. Right. That 16-hour South Africa flight, you're not sleeping through it. And yeah, I know. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Do you have a go-to souvenir? Something you always bring back for home in a city. Uh, I don't actually. I, I don't. I stopped buying stuff in trinket shops a long time ago. <laughs> Probably for the best. Yeah, I get, too many I get, trinkets. I get nice gifts every now and again, like a, uh, like like you know, there's this uh, there's this silly political thing going on in Spain about about Cat Catalans want to separate from Spain. I think it's silly and stupid thing that they're doing. But anyway, one guy uh, just for fun gave me this bright yellow shirt uh, t-shirt that's that said catalan we want freedom or something like that that was kind of cute cool uh, yeah. so gifts that people give you yeah, yeah. gifts yeah yes yeah. nice. um do you recall your earliest family vacation or just a place you went with your family a memory of just getting away from home well i tell you what there's one family vacation in the whole of my life that will indelibly be etched in golden bronze in my memory and that was my my mother and father's 50th anniversary uh i gave i threw them a big party and and uh i uh i took anna my mother armando my father uh, gail my wife and my two children thaddeus and liana and the um we we all i took them all to italy because because my parents were were first generation born in the United States, so they lived their whole life growing up speaking Italian, but never visiting the homeland. So I took them for the first time to Italy, and and uh, to pay for the trip, I booked like two piano solo gigs, right? So we we played the two piano solo gigs, and uh, my mother was carrying the lira in a paper bag, 
And uh, my, my Italian booking agent said, Chick, you know, uh, we, we have an offer for in, in three days for a concert in wherever. Okay. Uh, we could drive there. I said, yeah, let's do it. And what started out to be a one-week trip turned out to be a six-week journey uh, all through Italy, Athens, uh, uh, Sicily, uh, Sardinia, of just doing piano solo gigs that came up like five days in advance. They kept, I kept playing piano solo. With your family in tow? We all traveled, we all traveled, and it was glorious. Everyone had a ball, and it was like a a really, really great memory. That's awesome, man, that's awesome. Chick, that's it for me. Um, I really appreciate that, I certainly do. for another episode of Jazz's Backstage Pass. I'd like to thank Chick Corea for taking the time to chat with me before his set at the Concord Jazz Festival. And while Armando's Roomba from Chick's new album Antidote plays in the background, I'd also like to take a minute to thank this episode's sponsors. They include Smoke Sessions Records. The label has a new album out right now called This I Dig Of You from drum legend Jimmy Cobb. Check it out online at smokesessionsrecords.com. Thanks also to Blue Note Records. They're currently celebrating their 80th anniversary with a bunch of cool musical initiatives. To check out everything they've got going on, visit bluenote.com. And thank you to ECM Records, which this year celebrates its 50th anniversary. They've got a new concert recording of Keith Jarrett playing solo Bach from 1987. To learn more about that album and all the other great stuff coming out on ECM, visit ecmrecords.com. Another big thanks to the online streaming service Deezer. We regularly curate playlists on this platform. To check out our latest, visit Deezer.com and search for Jazz Is. Our playlists also appear on Cobuzz.com, another one of our sponsors. This is a high-res streaming service that is the premier destination for audiophiles looking to stream music online. Visit Cobuzz.com to learn more. Another thanks to jazzradio.com, featuring more than 35 channels of curated jazz music for free online. Visit jazzradio.com to check it out. Thanks also to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, New Jersey. On the calendar for them in November, a performance by Chaka Khan. It's taking place November 14th. For tickets and more info, visit njpac.org. That's njpac.org. Another big thanks to the Angel City Jazz Fest, taking place October 2nd through the 13th in Los Angeles. Dwight Tribble, David Benny, Micaiah McCraven, they're all on the program for this fest, so you know it's going to be a good one. Check them out at Angel City Jazz. Jazz.com. Big thanks also to Jazz at Lincoln Center, New York's leading jazz venue, coming up for them on September 12th, the South African Songbook, a musical celebration of South African democracy 25 years after apartheid's end. Top South African musicians will join the orchestra to perform essential South African music, with each song chosen by a guest performer and newly arranged for the show by a member of the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra. This event kicks off the opening weekend of the Rose Theater. For tickets and more info, visit jazz.org. Thanks also to Quest TV, the world's first subscription video on-demand platform dedicated to jazz. It's an online library of jazz concert videos and feature documentaries that has been called the Netflix of jazz. It was started in part by Quincy Jones and has both free and premium memberships. Visit quest.tv to learn more. That's Q-W-E-S-T.tv to learn more. 
Thanks also to Nouvelle Records, the world's premier jazz vinyl subscription service. On the calendar for them, the Nouvelle Live Festival, a week of music on stage and in the studio to celebrate five years of Nouvelle, featuring two New York premieres, four world premieres, and five live recording sessions. Alumni from each season of Nouvelle's subscription-based box sets will perform at the legendary Jazz Standard in New York City. It's taking place September 3rd through 8th. Check them out at nouvellerecords.com. That's N-E-W-V-E-L-L-E-Records.com. Lastly, we'd like to thank the U.S. Navy band Commodore's Jazz Ensemble, currently celebrating their 50th anniversary. They've got concert dates around the country. If you want to catch them in action, visit our website and click the Navy Band Commodore's banner. Hey, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review, too, because that really helps. All right, that'll do it for me, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.